Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Buxton. Look, check it out. They have incredible mobile and predictive analytics. You won't believe what you could do with this. It's extremely well-priced and extremely easy to use. Check it out at buxtonco.com. Well, today we have an interesting show. We're going to talk about the multifamily world around the U.S. And uh, your multifamily has certainly been on a on a nice roll but with the economy changing and uh, work from home kind of slowing down some what's really going on with performance uh, valuations and what does the future hold well please welcome my guest is carl whitaker he's director of research and analysis with RealPage. carl good to see you sir thanks michael always a pleasure and, and you're right things have definitely changed since we caught up last time yeah so all right well now you've got my curiosity up what's the change what's up well, I think we all heard about the economic shifts going on right now. Obviously, interest rates continue to increase, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into some discussion on property deals and how that's impacting valuations. But I think from a uh, from a leasing activity perspective, one of the things that we're seeing is that some of the front door demand, uh, you know, those uh, think of those as newly signed leases, some of that activity starting to taper off and level off just a little bit. Uh, I do want to say when I say uh, I should mention when I say taper off, I certainly don't mean plummet. Uh, you know, if you compare new lead volume to this time last year, keep in mind that you are comparing to an all time high. But we're starting to see some of that front door demand ease and pull back just a bit. However, we are starting to see uh, or, or we're continuing to see, I should say, the backdoor demand or renewal conversions remain really elevated relative to historic norms. So, uh, you know, the components of where that demand is changing or where that demand is coming from is changing a little bit. Uh, but, you know, we can certainly dive into more fundamentals throughout our discussion today. Well, Carl, that brings up a, a question my audience may have for you. And, and that is when it comes to tenant demand for multifamily rental properties, when interest rates are rising, especially as quickly as they seem to be rising right now, uh, does that help multifamily because people can't less people want to buy houses yeah it's a good point to make and i think you can make the argument that rising interest rates is a positive uh for multifamily demand but i should also mention too that it's such a small portion of the multifamily market that i think rising interest rates has an impact on you know you're really looking at your a to even a plus asset renter pool in that regard, you're certainly not impacting the class B and class C renter pool uh, with those rising interest rates. So sure, it does have an impact, but I think it's pretty modest in the grand scheme of things. Maybe you just see some uh, slightly increased uh, impact in uh, class A properties, especially in markets where historically single family home ownership was within striking distance of those top of the line class A properties. Then uh, what would be slowing down the uh, potential tenant, uh, new tenant flow to these communities then right now? I think on the front door side or that new lease demand side, you're really seeing those new lease rents elevate at such a rapid rate over the past, let's call it 12 to 18 months at this point, that for a lot of renters, it just makes economic sense to stay in place. And 
just to give you a flavor of that difference that we're seeing, the difference between someone signing a new lease agreement at the typical property today versus the resident that they're replacing or their replacement rent is about 20% nationally. However, those residents that elect to stay put, they're getting about a 10 to 11% increase on their lease renewal. So when residents are out in the marketplace shopping new properties, they see that new lease rent that they would get tagged with. And as a result, many of them are electing to stay put. Obviously, there's some more components. It's not that simple, but I do think that's one of the things leading to that uh, that slower front door traffic, not to mention we're seeing a lot of consumer confidence metrics, uh, you know, turn, uh, turn into, I don't want to say negative territory, but we've seen inflation rise. We've seen the, the increase in prices across all sorts of products. And as a result, I think a lot of renters are just making the choice, hey, I'm going to stay put for another six to 12 months and then see what happens with the economy uh, in the coming, uh, coming few months. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, affordability could be a reason to slow down uh, some of this crazy demand we've had. Uh, but to your point, it, it's not dead. So how, how is performance, how is occupancy and, and rental rate increases uh, from your most recent numbers? Yeah, occupancy still at a really solid territory. We're looking at upper 96 percentile uh, range for occupancy rates across the country. Uh, I had a really interesting discussion with a colleague a couple a uh, couple days ago, and you know we're hearing some rumblings of, hey, are we headed for a recession? If so, then what is the impact on the multifamily market? Even if we do hit some sort of recessionary territory. I don't think folks in the industry are quite as worried as they would have been historically. Part of that being because we are starting from such a high occupancy point that if that occupancy rate does contract a little bit, you're looking at bringing it down to 95%, not taking it from the historic norm of 95 down to 92, 93%. So you're working off a higher basis today. I think that that's helping assuage some of those fears of what happens in a downturn. But it's, it's not to say that there's not some concern out there, but I do think that that high occupancy rate is certainly informing maybe a little bit of, uh, we can take a collective deep breath and we're going to be okay regardless. How about uh, rental rate increases out there, uh, Carl? Obviously, we've seen some incredible increases in the rents uh, over the last, as you mentioned, 12 to 18 months. Is that tapering a bit or is that still skyrocketing in most uh, markets? In most markets, it's continuing to increase, but we are starting to see that first sign of the the new lease rates, at least, starting to bend and level off. Uh, you know, when I say that, going from twenty percent to nineteen and a half percent, it's only one month that we're seeing that little that little bend start to show up on the graph. So we hate to make too much fuss on just one data point. Obviously, we all know that one data point doesn't necessarily make a trend. So. Uh, you know, new lease rent growth, especially, uh, is you know in, in solid territory. Renewals appear to be con- uh, continuing to accelerate, and again, some of that uh, is due to the reasons that I mentioned earlier. There's a little bit of a spread between individual market performance. Some of the markets we saw recover a little bit later are uh, seeing uh, you know still continued increases. Uh, just based on the timing of those markets recoveries. So we are seeing a little bit of a gap between market performance, but it's pretty modest in the grand scheme of things outside of a few markets that are just still running gangbusters. Yeah. And here we are at uh, kind of uh, mid year 2022, if you will. And I know it's uh, kind of a difficult time to, to make predictions with the 
you know, with inflation kind of jumping around and, and, and high uh, and also with the interest rates increasing. But what would you expect moving forward overall for occupancy and, and rate trends? Yeah, great, great timing for that question, honestly, because we're just now starting to kick off our mid-year round of forecast updates. Uh, you know, we're still waiting to see what some of the economic data shows here in the next few weeks. As we mentioned earlier, at the, the onset of the discussion, things are changing quickly. So we want to make sure that we're taking into account any changes that happen over the next two weeks. But uh, I think our house view is that uh, you know, don't be surprised to see some moderation on rent growth in 2023. We've been saying that for some time now, just for what it's worth. You know, we certainly didn't expect 20% new lease trade out to continue for another 12 to 24 months. But, uh, you know, depending on what some of this next round of economic data shows, perhaps we do see moderation a little bit more quickly than we initially forecasted. Similar on occupancy rates. I don't know that anybody expected 97% plus occupancy to continue through 2023 and 2024, but maybe we see that come down a few additional basis points versus what we had initially forecast. But I certainly don't think we're gonna see a huge change from what our initial house view was. And just to summarize that, let's call national occupancy in the low 96% range to upper 95% range over the next year. Rent growth flirting with double digits. Maybe you see a few markets dip below that, but it's hard to say that double digit rent growth is that much moderation. It's just if you compare where we were to this time just one year ago, it is technically moderation. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that, you know, that we could use the word uh, moderation that, <laughs> you know, that rent growth is not as much as it was, and it's still double digits. It's just right. crazy demand still, right? Right, exactly. And I think that's where a lot of people and myself included get kind of caught up is on those year over year comparisons. You see a negative in front of that year over year comparison and you say, wow, this is the first time the market's been negative in two years. Well, again, keep in mind, you're comparing to a recent all time high in essentially every metric. So I wouldn't focus so much on those year over year comparisons. Just keep in mind that, you know, if you take a longer term horizon, uh, you know, trend trended data is still very useful. Keep in mind that the trend is still moving upwards if you uh, look at it over a longer term horizon. And again, I think it just points to a lot of the longer term strength of demand drivers and multifamily. But again, we may see some year over year comparisons uh, start to turn downwards just based off the all time high that we are comparing to. Yeah. Quick question, uh, revenue management systems, I expected that those were keeping renewals at really close to street rents. Am I wrong there? Yeah, so the the the, the revenue management systems are, uh, I guess they're more focused on how you optimize revenue overall. So, uh, you know, some of those are calibrated to be more focused on maintaining occupancy. Some of them are more focused on maintaining, hey, how do we maximize a new lease rent? So it depends on the operator strategy. But what we're seeing is, again, the difference between a renewal and a new lease now is, let's call it roughly 10% nationally. Uh, one other component there, too, informing that is that a lot of residents, especially in some of those hard hit markets over the past year or two, residents that snagged a good deal, let's say they got 5% discounts on their rent uh, in 2020, they're starting off a smaller denominator for that renewal rent. So even if it increases 10%, keep in mind that that denominator was a little bit lower. So 
you know, that's, that's another component that feeds into the revenue management world. Uh, so I think that's something that we should consider when looking at an entire rent roll, uh, in addition to just the one point in time renewal or new lease rent. Coral, on uh, new construction costs with labor uh, materials, um, you know, escalating so much, is that uh, slowing down new supply any and, and how's that impacting the sector? We haven't seen too much of an impact on new supply just yet. Uh, and it, it's interesting because I think if you talk to any individual person, you would say that, okay, we're going to pull back on getting maybe some home renovations done. Uh, you know, I can even speak anecdotally that we got quoted on some gutters here over the past week that had we got that quoted two years ago, which we did, by the way, uh, you know, you compare the cost and you're like, holy cow, is that the same house that you're even estimating? Uh, you know, so for the individual, I think you do see some impact on uh, construction timing. But, uh, you know, for these big multifamily developers, I don't think you see too much of an impact. Obviously, uh, you know, rising costs may eat away at some of that margin over a long term. But, uh, you know, they're able to maintain enough mass and scale that some of these pricing impacts aren't quite as impactful. And then keep in mind, too, that a lot of what's permitted today doesn't develop for another two years. And we're not seeing too much uh, different on the permitting front. So I don't think there's as much of an impact, uh, again, for the big multifamily developers as there is for the individuals, let's say you and I, uh, where certainly maybe that does impact some, uh, some construction or renovation decisions. And would you expect that uh, the permitting for new communities uh, might slow down some with the higher interest rates, maybe uh, causing cap rates to increase some and, and, uh, and a spread issue there? Yeah, we may see some of that start to ease a little bit, uh, you know, but again, I think some of that also comes back to that, once again, that all-time high point that I made earlier. Uh, permitting levels have been at an all-time high really since late 2020. Uh, you know, if if Again, maybe you see some individual companies that maybe uh, decide to put the hit the pause button for a little bit on some new development. But I think globally, it's going to be pretty modest in the grand scheme of things. Uh, the one area that maybe is something to watch for, and keep in mind that it's still in its nascent days, but something to keep a, an eye on is does some single family for purchase, I'm sorry, single family for rental or uh, build to rent permitting, does that eat away at some multifamily permitting just based on how the census classifies those two product types? That could be something we see in individual markets. But again, I think it'll be more uh, small scale, maybe more sub-market or even site specific than it will show up in the global numbers. Okay. We're talking with Carl Whitaker with RealPage about the multifamily market. And Carl, uh, what about cap rates for the multifamily world? It seems like they've been compressing for a while. Have they flattened yet? Where are we? The most recent data that we're seeing shows that they are continuing to compress. It's modest compression, but there is, some, uh, you know, again, that trended data shows that they've compressed for some time now, as you point out. Uh, one thing we are seeing, though, is that the amount of deals that are happening today, it's starting to slow from what we saw over the past few months. Uh, our, our, our data partners over at Real Capital Analytics put out some really good research uh, a few weeks ago showing that this was the first month in some time where we actually saw 
uh, transaction volume start to have that same curve that I talked about earlier, where it's starting to slow down a little bit. So there is maybe some slowing on the deal side. Again, it's slowing from an all-time high, so I don't want to put too much emphasis on it. Uh, but you know, depending on how quickly those deals slow, do they continue to slow down? That should have an impact on cap rates, but uh, it's still early days on that front to to see what's really happening um, in the in the big in bigger picture. Yeah, and I guess it's uh, again, it's hard to forecast seemingly t today more than ever. But I guess it's always hard to forecast. <laughs> Never know if you're getting it exactly right. But uh, what would you expect for cap rates moving forward in multifamily as we get closer to the, you know, third, fourth quarters here? Yeah, I think we'll see cap rates remain uh, pretty tight. I think they'll be the tightest of uh, all product types or all commercial real estate sector types, you know, industrial cap rates, multi uh, office and retail. They've been trending above uh, multifamily cap rates for some time now. So I think we'll see continued tight uh, cap rates, but I don't know that we'll necessarily see the same rate of compression over the next 12 to 18 months uh, that we did over the previous 12 to 18 months for some of those reasons that I mentioned earlier. You're probably going to have some capital that's maybe waiting on the sidelines and isn't as aggressive to deploy uh, just based on some of the economic uncertainty right now. Yeah. And you, we mentioned, and you mentioned uh, affordability starting to become a bit of an issue uh, for tenant demand. Um, what's what's helping that? Is there anything helping? It seems like uh, the job market's been great. And uh, are, we, are we seeing wage growth? Is that helping? Yeah, this is an excellent question. And this is something that we've been talking to a lot of media outlets about recently. Um, you know, there certainly are some individual examples where affordability is a concern. And I definitely don't want to downplay the uh, individual concerns that are out there because there certainly are individuals that are getting crossed out. But globally, when we look at a median rent to income ratio, RealPage is actually about to put out some data that shows this. But over the past year, the median rent to income ratio nationally only went up about a percentage point. So I think when you look at the uh, rent growth that we saw over the past year, obviously at a record level, if that rent to income ratio only went up that marginally, that tells me that wage growth has been pretty excellent. And the data that RealPage uh, is able to track shows that wage growth has been pretty solid over the past 12 months. In uh, some markets, maybe not matching the pace of rent growth, but you're not seeing an instance where uh, rents grow by 20% and wages grow by three. It's more like maybe rents are growing by 15, 20%, but wages are growing by 10 to 15%. Yeah, that's interesting. And Carl, are there any areas of the country where there uh, might be some opportunities? Yeah, well, if you happen to find any, then let me know, just because it's hard <laughs> out there right now when acquiring yeah. properties. And, yeah. and I don't mean that from the perspective that there is an opportunity. I just mean it is competitive out there. Uh, you know, I think some of these markets that uh, uh, that for a long time were maybe considered secondary in nature, you know, the, the Nashvilles of the world, the Charlottes of the world, uh, are anything but secondary nowadays. You know, those have certainly come to the forefront of investors' minds uh, and acquisitions teams' minds, and, and rightfully so. You know, it's a uh, it's it's capital chasing where demand is flowing to. So, uh, I think if you look beyond that, uh, one of the product spaces that RealPage is pretty bullish on over the next two to three years is the Class B to B plus space. Uh, and, th and this is true in almost every market across the country. But uh, one of the things that's leading us to 
be a little bit more bullish on that B space is that class C is where you're going to deal with some more pronounced affordability issues. Class A, you're going to deal with some supply constraints. I think that those get over uh, overestimated at times. So I don't want to say that supply is uh, necessarily a huge deterrent for the class A product space, but sure, you are going to have some competition from new construction, whereas class B, you are going to be insulated from that. But I also think that class B, if you just look at the gap between your typical A rental rate and your typical B rental rate today, it's a pretty different product pool and therefore a pretty different renter pool. And as a result, I don't know that you're going to necessarily see uh, renters who are able to move up the product spectrum, if rents do drop in the class A space, it's going to have to drop significantly in the A space to pull a renter out of the class B pool. So I think that that class B renter pool is just a little bit more insulated, a little bit more stable. Maybe you don't get some of the big upswings that you do in class A, but I don't think you're necessarily going to uh, you know, run into a situation where you're hurt whenever uh, you see some market softness developing. I just think that class B is maybe a, a more slow but steady investment option. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are there any um, cities or markets out there where there, there might be a, a such high occupancy and, and low permitting for new supply that uh, there's an opportunity for development? Yeah, and I think development is one of those things where it's just it's it, the data that we look at almost oversimplifies it, and it's just simply get in front of demand. And as you point out, most of these markets that are at ninety eight percent occupancy that don't have a lot of permitting activity, that would seemingly make for a good development thesis or a good development opportunity. Uh, you know, I I think if you look at some of these secondary markets, uh, you know, look at the small coastal Florida markets. Uh, that maybe worked through a big wave of construction two years ago and have now started to taper off. If demand can continue to be strong for the next six to 12 months, maybe that uh, allows for some more potential development opportunity. Uh, you know, maybe some of those West region markets that were chronically undersupplied throughout the 2010s decade if they're able to maintain momentum for the next two to three years, maybe that makes a compelling development opportunity. But uh, beyond that, I don't know that there's anything that comes to mind. It's just, a, you know, here's your one market that's a diamond in the rough because it's so hard to classify because each market's development prospects are just so very different. Yeah. Is there anything interesting, Carl, that you're seeing uh, in brand new uh, projects today that uh, might surprise some of the listeners? Not necessarily. I think we have seen that that, uh, you know, the the amenitization of the class A space has been something that's been pretty impressive for some time now. Uh, a lot of that is just simply it's expensive to get deals completed. You know, it's, it costs a lot to build a new property. And as a result, that commands higher rents. Well, as a higher rent is commanded, then residents are, of course, going to expect some different amenities. So I hadn't seen a ton yet. Uh, on that front, one thing that did come up as an interesting, hey, maybe this is something we watch for, uh, this came up at a conference that I was attending a few weeks ago, was how many developers are actively thinking ahead for elect electric charging stations at their assets? Because obviously an electric charging station is something that's going to be a little bit more uh, fixed from a um, uh, from a, a parking perspective, you can't really take that with you and move around with it. So how many developers are actively planning to incorporate some of those charging stations within their minimum 
parking uh, arrangements or, you know, the, the minimum number of parking spots you have to have per property. Uh, and I think that is a really interesting question. Also, from the perspective of how many of these developers are going to be able to see an electric charging station as an amenity that they can uh, recap or get some recapitalization on, i.e., do you charge a little bit for some of those spaces uh, as, as you would uh, you know, an individual amenity such as a washer, dryer, rental? Uh, I think that's, again, still a small portion of the overall pie. But with gas prices rising the way they have, obviously, electronic ve- or electric vehicles, that is, are starting to come to the forefront of the mind more often. So how many developers are looking ahead to plan for that accordingly? I don't have the answer. I think it's an interesting question, if nothing else. But uh, th- that's maybe something to watch for from a, especially a new development amenitization perspective. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're doing near enough infrastructure um, and anticipation of the electric charging that we're going to need. When you look at all the car manufacturers, you know, they're all doing a bunch of electric cars. Right. Um, right. And so I, I think uh, we need to do a lot, lot more of that. Well, uh, Carl, great information. What would you leave our audience with to think about for a multifamily moving forward for the maybe the rest of this year? I'd say for the rest of the year, maybe pointing back to some of our points or uh, pointing back to some of our talking points earlier, that is. Uh, I would say don't get too, too caught up in a game of comparison. If you're looking at this time last year versus this time this year, maybe some of those numbers start to show the market turning a little bit, some inflection points. But, uh, you know, don't necessarily get too caught up in that game of comparison, but definitely do be watching a lot of those point in time KPIs because, uh, you know, you could start to see some inflection points emerging and you don't want to get caught flat footed. I saw I saw a good analogy the other day of you never want to have concrete shoes, but you never want to have winged foot shoes. And I think ideally you want to be somewhere in between where you can be nimble, but you don't want to overreact at the first sign of a market turning. Uh, you know, ideally you want to be balanced between there. So I think I, that, that's probably my departing thought is find that sweet spot of being watchful without being too uh, anxious. Well, I like the idea of winged shoes. Uh, where can I get those? I want some of those. <laughs> great. Carl, thanks for joining us, sir. Great information. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for joining us around the country. If you've got winged shoes, shoot me a picture, send them to me. And uh, if you like more information from uh, RealPage, they've got a lot of great products and services and information at their website. It's realpage.com. If you'd like to uh, visit our website, it's CRE show.com please connect with us uh thank you for sharing the show and for rating the show and until next week be sure that you always lead learn and laugh and join us for america's commercial real estate show america's commercial real estate show is brought to you by buxton Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.